It's the Fabulous D Show, and I am the Artist D. Tonight, I'm talking Needle Factory with Freddie Morgendorfer. He's on the line. Hello, Freddie. Hello, how are we doing? Uh, we're doing fabulously. How are you? It's been forever. Well, yeah, it's been a while since we last talked. I'm just having a drink of wine. I'm sat outside, actually, in my garden at the moment. Really? I can't believe yeah. it. You sound so clear. And... Yeah, yeah, I've got, well, I've got, a, I've got an actual microphone. Awesome. Like a, head, a headset thing. I look like proper professional and everything. Out in the garden with the wine. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so how have you been? It's been a long time since we last talked. <clears throat> I've been great, yeah. Um, there's been a few changes with Needle Factory. And yeah. I've just released a new album. Yes, this is... Oh, Ra Rabbit Holes. Rabbit Holes with this awesome rabbit on the front. And, um, well, yeah, that was actually designed by an artist called Robert uh, Farkas. And he, I saw his image on Tumblr. I didn't know him at the time. I just saw this image and I thought, oh, I've got to have that. So I actually messaged him and I got him to send me the... Well, I paid for the image, you know, to use it on T-shirts oh, and albums cool. and everything. Because I thought, yeah. as soon as I saw it, I just knew it was, like, really good. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. So the latest album is called Rabbit Holes. This is, what, your third, fourth... Well, it's the second, second album, but yes. it's the third release. The first release, release was an EP. Right. And, yeah, this is the second album. Absolutely. But it's called Rabbit Holes for a very specific reason, because I went down... Last year, I went down a few rabbit holes. <laughs> I do think, you know, we haven't talked too much, but from what I can see, as I follow you around the internet on Tumblr and Facebook and all these Ooh. other places, you do seem to have gone through uh, several changes. Yeah, um, well, well, last time we spoke, I think we were a duo, and I was working yes. with Jonah. Now, Jonah, I still know very well, and we're still very much friends. Okay, good. I saw Jonah on uh, Saturday night, actually, because he went to a, there's a, a drag club called Cha-Cha Boudoir in Manchester. It's a brilliant club, and they have, like, drag artists on and, mm. like, burlesque-type mm. acts on. It's really good. But um, what happened with uh, last year, I think... I'm trying to think of a way to describe it, really. Do you know if you were in a hot air balloon and you were losing altitude, but you wanted to save the whole thing, yes. you might have to throw somebody overboard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, just to save them, not not to not to get rid of them in a way, right. but just to sort of because Jonah has his own things going on now. He, right. he started uh, a shop. I saw. So in, it's quite a fabulous a shop. shop. It's called, it's called uh, Freak Boutique. Oh my god! And I think if you probably Google that, you probably find it. But he's selling all kinds of weird fetish uh, clothing and wigs, and like gothic stuff, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. And he's been really busy doing that, so that's what Jonah's doing at the moment. That's cool. So you had to so throw I'm, him overboard. Why did you throw him overboard? No, no, no. That 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 just, that just come across completely the wrong way. Now, what it was is I knew that I, if for, for me to continue doing what I was doing and for, for him to continue doing what he was doing. There was going to be a fork in the road there. Right. And I didn't want to fall out with him further along. Mm. So I knew that we had to do something there and then because it's like, even though we've been quite successful, there isn't any money to throw around at things. No. So we have to make, we have to do our own jobs as well as doing Needle Factory. We have to make our own sort of life. Completely. So everything is still good. You're both fabulous oh, yeah, friends. Yeah. Yeah, we're friends because we know we've known. See, I'd known Jonah um, a long time before he was in the band. Right. We've been friends a long time, so that wasn't going to change. 
Yeah, and last and time, that, last time we spoke, um, well, which was quite some time ago, you were a duo. So that was that was my first question because I was confused. Yeah. I think everyone would be. Yeah, we just wanted to get that out there because I think if I didn't mention it, it'd be a bit strange, wouldn't it? It would. <laughs> <laughs> which, when I was doing further research, you know, catching up with everything, I went on your Tumblr and reading the bio. It's like it's you know it's a one man show now. Like, oh, okay. Well, I think for me, because I'm, I was, I've, I've always been the producer. Do you know what I mean? The kind of person that right. writes the music. And Jonah, I mean, he come up with some brilliant lyrics and stuff for the right. al- the last album. Because that's what Jonah does. He's he's more of a writer, in a sort of a lyrical way. He's not a, he's not a musician. No, he's not he's not a producer, which is right. what I did. So I think if I was to work with Jonah again, it would be him, you know, his thing. Right. Or it'd be me doing the thing behind the scenes because that's. Uh, you know, when you have two really big personalities together, sometimes the, po- po- the polarity can be the wrong way around. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and you both have huge personalities. Yeah, so I think sometimes those personalities, if the, if the magnets are not tuned the right way, they push each other apart. That's true. And sometimes when they're the right way, they cling together. But, you know, you can, you can have either or in that situation. You know? so is right. that, does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete <laughs> sense, of yeah. course. And, and no one knows that better than, than folks like us in this, this scene, this underground yeah. creationist place. Well, that's, why, that's why I love Jonah, because he demands so... When he's out, he's like, he, dem- he doesn't do it consciously, but he, he gets so much attention, do you know what I mean? Yes, well, I think I probably I saw the photos from that... Uh, drag club um he was on stage i think i don't know if that was this weekend or last weekend it was on on stage somewhere oh something. no that oh that was tranarchy and tranarchy is brilliant night that's another see manchester's just full of these amazing drag oh nights God. and the thing with tranarchy is um they they have a more sort of a punk attitude towards drag which i think because i was influenced by jane county and people like right. that mm-hmm. that kind of rings true more true to me about what drag is supposed to be because I've noticed recently, and I've been looking at things online, and there's a lot of like political that I think are coming from a feminist point of view, a very political point of view that don't really understand. Have you right. noticed? <laughs> I've noticed that, and uh, and they kind of think that, that. Well, the problem is they they think that drag or or men impersonating women, as they think of it, undermines feminism. And that's their point of view. That's they're fine to have that point of view if they want. But I've seen Jonah get into arguments with these people on the internet, and I just I just don't think they understand where people <laughs> no. like me or Jonah are coming from. I think Jonah's just setting up Facebook profile after Facebook profile after one gets banned, <laughs> moves on to the <laughs> yeah. next. Well, this there was a group they called Gender Identity Watch. Oh my god! And the woman that the woman that runs that. I mean, some of the things she posts, I probably agree with sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because she's she's saying she's breaking down gender um, stereotypes, whatever, and I agree with that. Sure. But one, but one, she doesn't seem to understand is that people have the right to name themselves whatever they want, and she she keeps posting these pictures and saying this is a man pretending to be a woman, and and because they like have some kind of power, uh, like say they might be a journalist, mm-hmm. or they have some kind of voice. She's trying to. Um, out, out them. them, yeah, and out yeah, them yeah. as that, yeah, yeah, out them. And we but have anyway. we have mentioned quite a few times, like on this show, on on other shows, you know, just the the, the climate lately of of people and their 
their definitions. I mean, it just seems like they're going definition crazy with, with what people should say, what people should call each other. And mm. for folks like us who live this very fluid lifestyle. Well, yeah, I think I, I think I mentioned that last time I talked to you. I don't really have an identity in that oh. way because um, I, I can like offend everybody. Right. Yeah, I mean, I Sometimes. think the, the three of us, Jonah included, you know, when we talked about it before, we're, we're kind of on the same page where we just are who we are. And it's just this blurting out kind of, of identity. It's not really a, a boxed thing. Yeah, well, the problem for Jonah is he has Tourette's. <laughs> he doesn't... Well, what you know, me and you might have an edit kind of yes. function in our brain. Jonah doesn't have that. <laughs> no, no, he's not. <laughs> Which makes me like him even more because yes. he's, kind of, he's kind of naive in a way. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I'm not saying yeah. he's stupid. He's just, he's just not... He doesn't care about those yeah. kind of things. So... Um, I mean, I've been out with Jonah when he said the most ridiculous things right. when he's been high or whatever. I love it. And I said, Jonah, you can't say that. I feel like a parent. <laughs> you say that again. I'm just more so... I'm just, like, exhausted and over it. Because mm. I see these things, I want to comment, I want to just rip into so many people, because that's what I've always done. But... I'm just exhausted. I have no interest in it, so I just shut up. I don't want to comment on these idiots mm. anymore. Well, the problem is, it's not people. It's social media, and <sighs> particularly Facebook. And I think Facebook, as we reach that critical mass now, where the people who are on it do not represent... Because like, when I started on the internet, we knew we were a minority, and the people right. you were talking to had something in common straight away. Right. As they were kind of a little... AOL kind of news group or whatever it was and you knew that the people there probably had something in common with you simply because they were on the internet but now people will add somebody just because they met them once or you know some people have like 2,000 friends True. so if you get yeah. upset by something somebody says you can't really blame right. that person it's just if you're going to add people like that because um, it's like with Tumblr and things like that people add each other by interest and I think that's a much better way yeah. on the internet to add somebody right just because you met somebody doesn't mean they're going to have anything in common with you. Well, that's how it used to be. We found people who yeah. posted the same thing, and then we were and friends. I, that was how I, it worked. When I was reading your book, you're in bed with my, myself. That's right. <laughs> that reminded me of that, that first wave of internet kind of interaction, because we were all kind of like, um, we all knew it was like a new thing. Mm. So we had that concession. There, I mean, there was internet etiquette. And no. you could always tell when somebody was a newbie. Exactly. <laughs> but with it, with Facebook, there's no, there's that's like it's gone completely crazy. It's like it's like that times a hundred. It does. It's kind of like I used to say in that book and back in that time. That was so much easier. And and for me, that's the only way I could make meet people was online. Now it's kind of like I can't meet anybody anywhere. It, it's very difficult to find our people. <laughs> As it were. Yeah, I, I mean, in what in some ways it's better because, like, like you know, promoting events and all that mm -hmm. kind of thing, you can get, you can sort of meet, uh, get more of a word out there. Right. But then again, it kind of means that you're being ignored by more people. That's true. <laughs> Not necessarily paid more attention to. That's true. And then when you find people like like yourself and and Jonah and and others, they're you know, it's kind of like finding this this nest of of fabulous fabulousness and yeah. you've got all the right friends so 
I know well, the, the real, la- last time you were well, on, a bunch of people added me, and, and they're all awesome. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, well, I think I think when you go out there, Facebook and everything's fine, but when you go out to clubs <laughs> and meet people, and you, you you're never going to replace that. You're never going to replace a kind of real social interaction. Right. But what what I think is the problem now is when people who probably would not have any interest in the internet or they think the internet's for buying car insurance <laughs> or you know for <laughs> yes. that, those kind of people like yeah. my mum's my on the my mum's on facebook now and, and when, when she got facebook i had to have a real deep think about whether i was gonna add her to facebook or not did you because there are things on my facebook that i wouldn't want her to see is she on there so, She's on there now. Oh, I, wow. I had to put her on a limited. Oh, good. <laughs> That's not because I'm ashamed of anything no. I do. It's just because some people have commented on things and said things, and she's very old-fashioned. I was just, she's, yes. you know, I don't. I wouldn't want to necessarily upset her. <laughs> I understand absolutely. And my mother is very. She's very good at ignoring things. Yeah, and, that's what mothers are good at. Yeah, and she's not on Facebook, and that's one of the reasons she said, you know, I looked looked at it, and I just don't think that's something I want to see. So, because <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like one of her only friends, so then she'd want to comment on it all the time, and yeah, would probably drive her crazy. Well, that's just that. This is what we're talking about, really. Is you know, do you know that old concept of the eternal September? I don't think is, I do. Well, it was like an AOL thing, and there was a website basically because like some in some September in 1995 or whenever it was, uh-huh. AOL sent all these packs out for free. Oh yeah. And all of a sudden, there was like thousands of new users. Oh okay. And there's still a website called that, Eternal September, and it's where it's when they reckon the internet went overground. Oh, okay. Right, and oh, that and I that's what that. we're talking about. This concept of, it is. you know, it's a little bit like you know when you get into a band and they're really small, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody likes them and it takes yes. away from the original vibe. Right. It's it's yeah. kind of like goth getting hot topic eyes. Yeah, it's like it's like when you have you when you found because like you find that some people who are older think they have some kind of authority on the internet, but actually no, you don't because. People who are younger have been using the internet longer and know how it works better and have a better concept of social media. Just because you're 55 doesn't give you any moral authority on the internet. And that does their head in. It, it really does. It does. You get these people like uh, who, who, I don't know, they make their own little groups and they're kind of, you know, the kind of dubious politics and stuff like that. Yeah. It's those people that they can't move the mouse fast enough, but they think they mm. belong. I can't stand it. Well, I call it like the old white man syndrome where the world's turned so fast that so they haven't even noticed. It is. And then they come here and they think it's their world. Shame mm. on them. They find a world they are no longer in control of. <sighs> indeed. Indeed. Mm. And Especially a Tumblr. I mean... Oh, God. I'm, I'm <laughs> surprised. You know, you know when I heard that uh, Yahoo was buying Tumblr? Oh, yeah. I thought, oh, shit. Well, that's, that's it now. All the porn is going to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, where am I going to find my, you know, seriously freaky porn now? <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was thinking as well. <laughs> I was I horrified, kind of like Flickr, because Yahoo bought Flickr, yeah, and that's that's a that's a photo storing place, and it was like that's, pardon me, but tranny central, talk about tranarchy, yeah, yeah, that's like tranarchy on Flickr. But I thought as soon as they bought it, oh, this is it, we're done, no more, well, no more cocks hanging out there. 
Well, what I think I thought was going to happen, you know, you get these news stories where it'll say hardcore porn available on Yahoo. Right, exactly. And then all of a sudden those people completely panic and all the shareholders and the people right. in Silicon Valley who pull the strings are going to say, what's this, you know, what's this bad crap you're doing? <laughs> exactly. So, but, and, and speaking of, of difference and, and looking fabulous and being kind of all over the place, you have many different looks. Yeah, well, that's the thing with me. Like I said, I, I kind of offend everybody. Because like, sometimes I go out dressed up and I'm like, you know, completely tram. Right. You make a very yeah. good looking woman. Well, that's it. But I don't think of it like that. I just think, because like, sometimes ask me, people ask me what my girl name is. <laughs> and and you're like, Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> I just come and say, well, sometimes I jokingly say Fred Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Which has many connotations. It <laughs> It does. It does. But um, I'm, no, just when, as happy, I'm just as happy going out with my hipster beard. Right. My, you know. But, yeah, I just but, love the fluidity there. That's just my kind of thing. Well, I sometimes go out. Like, there's certain rock clubs or bars that I go to, and the, some of the guys only know me as Freddie. They don't know that I dress in that way right but so i'll just go out that way and they don't know what to do they don't you know I, they usually shake my hand or whatever they kind of look at me <laughs> i can see the cogs in the brain kind of rusting right. over well and I'm, I'm sure that gets worse as we go along because now it's almost like they it's in the main spotlight so they have to think that it's yeah. something it's defined that oh my god does this mean fill in the blank uh, you know, and and it's not. And I think pe more people like us are going to really freak people out as we go along because, as transgender well, gets in the mainstream, it's defined. One of, my, one of my friends did say to me, "If I fancy you, Freddie, does that mean I'm gay?" And I said, "No, that just means I'm fabulous." <laughs> I love it. And you'll have to get over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm fabulous. Get over it. Yeah. And you live in such a lovely place. I mean, I want to come live in your closet. Manchester is just the place to be. <laughs> well, I've moved out of Manchester. I couldn't. Oh. I couldn't. I lived in the city centre for a bit. Okay. And uh, various things changed, and yes. I couldn't. I couldn't afford to stay there anymore. So, I'm in the outskirts at the moment. Okay. Is but, it... I, but I have acquired a garden, which is nice. So. That is nice. <laughs> but yeah, Manchester's like where all the interesting people go. Is it very expensive to live there in comparison? Well, there's a problem in Manchester at the moment with, with the. Um, the cost of real estate, I suppose mm. you call it in America, but yes. what it is, a lot of the flats and everything have just gone ridiculously expensive all of a sudden. Is that because you know, everyone that, wants to be there and it's so awesome? And it, there is part of that, but also the places that were cool and the places that were like, you know, alternative and indie are now turned into flats. Oh. It's a little bit like what happened, um, you know, like in New York in the right. 80s. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so, you know, you know, the, you know, those places that were cool. Yeah. All the yuppies went there. And well, then it just that's... taken over by hipster swine. Well, the hip, I quite like some, <laughs> the hipster thing in Manchester is not so bad. I mean, in London, it's probably awful, but <laughs> you get a lot of crossover in Manchester with people that uh, I'd consider... Uh, part of the gay scene right. and then part of the hipster scene or whatever you know i don't like to label anybody hipster any because i just think right. they do the kind of abstract ideas anyway but right. there's a there's a part of manchester like the gay village you've probably heard of the gay village yes but what's happened to the gay village is all the straight people have started all these hen party girls have started to go there mm. 
and it's really trashy now. So nobody really wants to go there who, who's, you know, putting on a club night or putting on it because they can't afford to do that. Right. So that's kind of gone in what's now the northern quarter of Manchester. Mm. And actually, Tranaky, um, they had a, there's a club called the Crack Lounge, which, or Crack Gallery. <laughs> I think it's called, and, and they have a gallery. It's like it's like a gallery during the day, and uh-huh. it's like a, a a gig venue at night. Okay. And it's just down some dark alley. I hadn't been before till last Saturday, but it's really good. Oh, awesome. but but the stuff that Tranicky do is amazing. Yeah, I think my my definitions are are kind of muddled because we don't. I guess Americans don't usually use the word hipster in a certain sense, and so I kind well, of pick it up from over there and bring it over here. You, that phrase hipster, it, it is an American word is originally. Um, have you heard of Norman Mailer? I have, yes. Yeah. Well, that he was the first person to write that, that word. And that was in the 50s. Hmm. And he was describing the Greenwich Village area of New York. Right. And he talked about this thing. He, he, he termed it the white Negro effect. Yes. And I don't know. That, that probably doesn't translate at all these days. But no, back then... But... I think what he was trying to say was they were kind of trying to find a tribal kind of um, scene, you know, something they were part of that that mainstream white America just didn't understand at all. And and in his naive way, calling it the white Negro thing, I think he was just relating it to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, at at the time it worked. And, And of course, as usual, all words that were once applied to something great are are now shit. Well, that word wouldn't... I mean, no journalist would or writer would use that word in that context now, but it was part right. of that... You know that, that uh, beat movement? Yes, Jack which Car- I am in love with. Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and all those people. William they kind Burroughs. Of, they kind of gave birth to what we call hipster now. They really did. Yes. This idea of going not, not being a tourist, but being a traveller right. and going on the road, that yes. was born out of that 50s kind of right. post... Well, in the UK, I suppose... It, it was post-war, but in America, you had, at that time, Vietnam was coming up. You right, know? It was pre-war there and here. So, so you had a schism there, and there was a kind of cultural rift totally between the youth and the people in power. Yes, and of course, when put in that context, I'm completely behind it. Mm. <laughs> of course. I just, I'm, I'm in complete adoration with the beat movement in that time per- period. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame because I, I, what happened later, because I think those people that had those revolutionary ideas and, and that idea of freedom became a capitalist idea because mm. anything you buy now, or so you see adverts on the telly all the time now, and the main thrust of those adverts is like a youth freedom, right? which they invented, but now it's been turned into something you can buy. <laughs> like it, like the hipster movement now, it's, it seems to be a very fashion-led right. kind of thing, you know. right. And it, and it yeah. should not be. Although I think you put it very well, you know, it isn't a shame what happened later. I think we could put that phrase into almost anything. It's always <laughs> a shame what happens later. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what I meant was, you know, the, the, rich, the original counterculture, which gave birth to gay rights, women's liberation, uh, around that time men were landing on the moon, it just seems like everything just slid back down to... I mean, it seems like the world's in reverse sometimes, you know. I feel that way a lot. Not these pessimistic. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. But I do feel that way a lot, especially lately, especially with the labeling of labels and the new labels. I think that might be the Facebook phenomenon that's done that, because not only does it make the voice of reason louder, it also makes the voice of 
lunacy louder. So, like, I mean, like I was saying about these groups of people that have a political agenda on Facebook and make groups and maybe anti this and anti that, there's still a lot of people there who are for things. You know, not being anti things is... Right. I just don't think there's any mileage in that. I think you've got to be for something to make a difference, not be anti something. I think it would be a better focus, for sure. Mm. If only. I think you have to have a, a positive aim in mind. It would be better. And it all makes me wonder where it all is going, because we've kind of seen this, this shift, and, you know, we've, we've gone forwards and backwards, and I wonder what's next. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it's like... It's like a few, a couple of years ago, when I wrote, when I was writing the album, it felt like the whole economy was about to crash. Right. And it just seems now we've reached a kind of plateau of kind of, you know, it's, yeah. like, it's like, I, I did actually, you know, with the Occupy Wall Street movement was right. up running, I just think we've reached a kind of uh, lucidity. It's kind of strange being in the, the headspace I am now when I look around and see people talking about a recovery and uh, things oh, getting God. better. And it's like, in my world, no, I, I don't think so. But it's interesting to see the, the mass media and the mass culture think that, you know, we were down, we're recovering, and, and now we're mm. about to go on to this some, some great plateau of mm. Well, I think it's, great in the, it's, it's definitely in the interest of certain people to say we're recovering. But it's a recovery based on something a little tiny bit better than what it was a few years ago, right. which is not a recovery. It's more of a sort of reprieve. Right. Which is when I look at like the history of it and look at previous recoveries, that, that was like, you know, slam banging fantastic. But I think if, of it as sort of like, if it's a recovery, it's a bit like, you know, when the Titanic bobbed up and down for a little bit, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it finally sank. Yes. Yeah. When its <laughs> nose came back up and everyone was like, yes. And then it was like, no. <laughs> but we hit the high, the iceberg was hit in 2008 and I don't think anybody knows really what you know you, you, we we kind of hope and we pray that the people in power know what they're doing we hope so but it never looks like they do it doesn't does it because mm -hmm. I, I had like we talked about this last time I think we talked about Obama a little bit and right we did I think we just just before the election it was when we talked yeah. and I was saying about Mitt Romney and I hope if he gets yes. in I will eat my own shit and luckily, he didn't get it. <laughs> yes, um, it was. It was right around that time, too. Yeah. But it's like things seem to have dropped out of the news. Have you noticed that? Like sort of this whole thing that was very, very important not long ago and very, very critical seems to have dropped oh, absolutely. out of the news. People move along quite quickly. Yeah, there's always a next crisis, isn't there? It is. So when did... Disappearing jets and... Exactly, <laughs> Yes. Who knows where it is? <laughs> it's in the ocean, man. It's in the ocean. Yeah. So when you wrote this album, Rabbit Holes, yeah. what mind space were you in? Was it last year? What, what well, focus was yours I, for this? I think with the, this one, I, I wasn't thinking as politically at all. I was thinking more. Most of the songs on the album are about a kind of, well, they go back to my obsessions with kind of fetishism, mm. and there is a there is a song on there called "System Failure," which samples a movie called "Margin Call," which is about the economic collapse. Mm. But it's in a kind the the actual feel of the track is like, well, so what? You know, what now? Not not 
not an angry song. Right. It's like we kind of accept. We kind of laid laid back in our easy boys, lazy chairs. Right. It's a shrug. Like, yeah, <laughs> and we've accepted that things are bad, and we're just ready to. That's the kind of feel of it now. Because like before, like with the first EP, I was like really angry. I was like, shut up and riot. Right. You know, this is like a, a call to arms. Right. You know, all that kind of thing. But I felt like with this, I could not have that level of energy anymore because, um, I mean, it wasn't, there was no victory. There was no political gain from what happened after that Occupy Wall Street thing that right. was sort of in, interested in them. And it just seemed like everybody had just gone back to work. Yeah. Actually, you're kind of bringing back memories of that that album. And when we talked, that was more of the the theme was was anger and and riot and revolution but mm. not now but it wasn't it wasn't a negative thing it no. was, my my uh, my anger of that is is about a, a sort of liberation kind of a, like a, a revolutionary kind of thing you know cuz i always think about these things on a personal cuz you, you know when you get on your soapbox and you say this should happen this should happen it's like well right. who's listening really you can't you can't speak from a point of view of personal revolution. You can only yeah. like put it in the context of something else. So if if the whole thing is just a rant, I don't see why anybody want to listen to that. Right. But That's, if it's a, if it's something personal and there's a you know something that you can relate, if the song is about something else other than that, right. yeah. I think that's the the main change in myself. Uh, the severe change lately in myself is less soapbox, more just sharing. You know, I'm going to be who I'm going to mm. be, and I'm going to share what I do, but I have no interest in changing. Well, I was thinking about this world. because I was I used to listen to a lot to people like you know this Alex Jones yes <laughs> kind of people and those and people like that, and I thought, well, how long is this guy going to keep shouting? Mm. Because you know you can't shout facts at people. Because he's always he's always pretty good at you know people right. like that seem to know and seem to be very sure about the facts. Yes. But you don't get people on board with facts. Unfortunately, not. In in a, in a world of like information, nothing is truly trusted because mm. you know you get these kind of posts on on Facebook. You know, it's like people question everything. So if if you can lay out all the facts, but you've got to get people on board on a more kind of. That's right. Well, I don't know what the word is, you know, a, sleep, uh, a spiritual level, but not, not in a, I don't mean that in a God kind of way, no. I mean that in a sort of more personal way. Exactly. You know? Well, you know, as Abraham Lincoln once said, never, never trust what you see on the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that reminds me, I was actually in, there's a square in Manchester called Lincoln Square, <laughs> and there's a, there's a, a statue of Lincoln there. Really? And not, What's not it? Why? People, and, yeah, well, not many people know why, and it's because in the Industrial Revolution in Manchester, a lot of people starved because the abolishment of slavery meant there was no cheap cotton coming into the UK. Oh, wow. And a lot of Manchester people actually stood by that decision and uh, at their cost, you know what I mean? So, okay. So the, 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 the Statue of Lincoln is there to remind people that a sacrifice was made. And, you know, because Manchester was built on cotton right. and the cotton trade. And uh, when slavery was banned, it became much more expensive to produce and a lot of people went out of business. See, there's something we don't know about. 
I love. But it. this goes back to this. This goes back to like the thing I meant about. If you look at Manchester now, I, I always think Lincoln Square represents the old world of Manchester, like the beginning of capitalism, and Manchester now is like represents the end of capitalism. Yeah. Well, or, or a late version of it, because there is nothing is produced here. We don't make anything. We just spend money. You sound like America. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We don't do anything anymore. We just spend. Yeah. We don't. We don't make. We, steam engines out of pig iron anymore in this country no. you know what i mean like some people cling on to that idea of the industrial revolution but it doesn't exist anymore it it is interesting the further we go along that people still cling to that and you know mm. if you put up the facts you know how long ago did that happen and and they still think that we're still prominent because of it but mm. we're not well, that's that's part of the American psyche, isn't it? To be yes. the best, and well, I think when America isn't is, I think a lot of damage was done by George Bush of America's reputation because, you know, with what happened with Iraq and Afghanistan and the abuse of power, the Guantanamo Bay and all that, I think a lot of people, I mean, that that idea of the American dream or the the people or America standing up for what was right kind of diminished it really did i don't know what we do anymore that's why i, I tend to stay underground and i, I don't want to i don't want to know i'm just going to be <laughs> over, i'll be over here doing my show but but probably from from from, from an outsider point of view like me I, when i think about america i always think of like the 80s america yes. because that was the america that i grew up with with mm. movies and Sylvester Stallone and uh, <laughs> you know those kind of like American myths. Well, that's kind of where I am with you know when when you mentioned the Beat Generation, that's mm. what I read the most about and that era, Burroughs and and Quentin Crisp. I mean, these are all oh, yeah. that literature is what I gravitate to because that's the the kind of mindset that I you, fell in love the, with. Uh, see the movie Milk. I actually have not. That's one oh, that I always has slipped by me. Well, you know what it's about. It's about yeah. the uh, San Francisco. Yes. In, is it, I think it's in the 60s or early 70s. I believe so, yes, with Harvey and, Milk. Mm -hmm. And it's like when people really had a political drive then, didn't they? You know what I mean? It was like, if I feel like if I, had, if I said anything like that now, people would say, what are you talking about? Don't be silly. <laughs> you know, calm down. Post exactly. it on Facebook. <laughs> calm down. Exactly, calm down. I, and I think that's why... They're so confused. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's why they're so confused with what to do about, well, gay rights and now transgender rights. That the, you think the, part of that is like some people think, "Well, we've done that. It didn't work. Right. Or we've done that and we got what we wanted." Right. But really, we nobody got. I mean, maybe no. for a time the voice was heard, but really, we don't. I don't feel that we live in a more progressive society. I do not. No. Well, I, not, I mean, I, mean I, 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 I honestly, like, there's certain, there's, in certain ways, you can't, like, uh, laws have been passed, you know, if, if, uh, if an employer was to discriminate me based on anything other than my, you know, personality, I'm sure that I could get them into some sort of bother, and they're good things, but I think on a more personal level, when you meet people in the street, or if people are abusive, or whatever, you, you're never going to get rid of that. No, and that's exactly, I mean, it's what it's all about right now when I look out at that transgender bullshit, like I like to call it, uh, I just, I don't see any 
progress. And that's all I see them is they think that it's progress and they think, okay, we're getting this, these rights. And in the end, they're ending up discriminating against themselves and their own people and mudding the waters even more. Well, Quentin Crisp said nobody has rights because if, if everybody has a right more than somebody else, then obviously that's like having no rights. Exactly. So, so if somebody says, I've got a right to this over somebody else, then that's when it, it you, you know, I think that's what he was trying to say with that. Yes. Something else that he says that I continue to remember in conversations like this is, you know, why would he want to be above ground, you know, in the mainstream? He mm. liked the underground gay culture and he liked that uh, privacy mm. of it. And, it wasn't, you know, he had no, he had no want to get out there and, and get those rights because it thinking, was like, you know. I was thinking about this yesterday because someone, some of my, one of my friends posted about uh, is drag or is that culture underground or is it gone? You know, because of things like RuPaul's Drag <laughs> right. Race, is that, has it gone overground? Oh, but God. those things were always overground to me because, yeah. like, even though it wasn't, because if you think about something like Liberace, if you think about RuPaul, not, not RuPaul, um, it's called Danny LaRue. Yes. He was, on, he was on the cover of Vogue. Right. And that would never... I can't imagine that happening now. No. no. It feels like... Because people were kind of more... Not naive, but there wasn't a name for things like there is in the culture right. now. So things like that were... Even... There were, there were female fans of Liberace who didn't even think about that. No, not at all. You know what I mean? And is that a good thing? Because when... When you you label everything, when everything becomes a political angle, then the press and the media are always nervous about those kind of things because they're, they're going to seem to be siding with something or aligning themselves with something that may take advertising revenue off them or something like that. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yep, exactly. And yeah. yeah, drag was not underground drag was underground when you know rupaul had an afro and was dressing like we dress now yeah. uh, you know but from from the first television appearance that means no more underground that's not uh, where it's been i don't think that's where it, it has been for a very long time well i remember i remember going on holiday with my parents like when i was young and they'd be like cabaret right and part of the cabaret would be a drag queen exactly and it, it would not be un unusual but, no. And even like I don't know if you have like uh, a, we call them pantomimes in this country, but the male leads are always played by females, and the female leads are always played by males. Not and as much was, here, no. But that was part of uh, I suppose you call it vaudeville. Yes. In America, yeah. we but that would. was part. That was part of theatrical culture. It wasn't whether somebody was gay or transsexual or transvestite. It was just. You know, I'm sure a lot of those people in the theatre were definitely, you know, aware of what they were. But yes. the general public weren't. Which I, I just watched the uh, Liberace movie, uh, Behind oh, the Ca like Candelabra. Oh, that's amazing. Wasn't it? And, and that was one of the scenes was they were, you know, getting introduced to it and, and they were sitting in the audience and the uh, Matt Damon character said, you know, I can't believe all these people are here to watch this gay guy. And, and his yeah. friend said, well, none of these people know he's gay. And it's like, what? Was that film at the cinemas and the theaters in America? I don't... I think it was an HBO television right, because, movie. Because we had yeah. posters and, and billboards here, and it was shown at the cinema. And I, met, I remember going, wanting to see it at the cinema, 
and it was only showing at one screen. Right. Yeah. Uh, For not being thing. in the cinema here, they did push it quite a bit with marketing. I mean, if if I hear about it, that's that's pushing because I don't look at any of this stuff. Right. But I don't think it actually made it into a, a theater per se. But right. it did. It is still. Um, I don't know if you have Redbox there. You know these these boxes with videos that it's kind of like you rent them on the street. And, no, no. Uh, but those they only have popular movies, and that movie has been in there for like months. And usually they take these movies out like you know within two yeah. weeks. So to know that like three months after it's come out, it's still in this popular movie service thing. It must be a good sign, or you know, at least people are watching it. Although, if I read the reviews, uh, people are were quite disgusted, which is hilarious. Well, when I went to see it, uh, I think it was Despicable Me Two or something that was out, and it was showing at every screen. You, there was no escaping Despicable Me. Right, which and is Despicable. Saying, well, well, no, no, I, I've got nothing against those kind of things, you know. Pe- the, let, let me just describe this to you, right? So I'm yes. there going to the cinema to see this Liberace film. Right. And I have to go up and ask, when is it showing? And he goes, oh, it's showing on Tuesday at one o'clock. That's the only time it's showing. Wow. But something like that, you really have to search out for. Mm-hmm. And and this is my point about movie. I mean, if somebody's really into Despicable Me, if it's like their favorite thing, then that's fine. But I think a lot of people just go to the cinema and they'll just see whatever is available. And it's like a movie is already, it's already decided mm-hmm. whether it's a good thing right. before it's even out. Exactly. So I kind of, I can't, like people will say, oh, Freddie, you're just being difficult. You know, why don't you like something that's more mainstream? I'm not being difficult. No. I just, I feel like I've already seen it right. by the time it's on at the cinema. Absolutely. And it's like, I, I, that choice of whether it's good or not is taken away from me because all the posters say the best film of the summer or whatever. Right. Right, exactly. So, so like, the, I, the hottest movie of the summer. Or, well, know. maybe yeah. it's just just me, but I think, I feel like when I like something or something affects me, it has to because I've discovered it some way. Right. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I can't just go into a cinema and say, well, I'll watch this because it's on. Even right. though it might be brilliant, mm-hmm. I feel like that decision is taken away from me. And um, a lot of the things that I do like don't get shown at the cinema because no. they have to fight this constant, like... Right thing of you know the, the whatever is the top 10 that year or that month or whatever it is it is and it's kind of gotten even more like that and more restricted because Ooh. again i don't know how it is in in manchester and uk right now but in america and pretty much overall america we do not have a video rental store anymore mm. well it's on netflix now isn't it we've got it's netflix like these, yeah. it's like these big things you know like breaking bad and right. game of thrones and right. i go on facebook and everybody's talking about these things right. and I, I have honestly i don't know anything about them but i feel like i should because everybody's <laughs> talking about them and i think oh, i'll go on then i'll check it out right right but i already feel like i don't have any ownership mm. i don't have any way into it yep. because it's already kind of sold to me right and, and it's become not a, not a, not a TV show, but right. uh, just another meme, you know. Exactly. Just, uh, but I think that's to do with this idea, you know. Like in, in the old days, people used to watch the TV, right. and the chances are your friend watched the same thing as you, and you could talk about it. Right. But now there's a disconnect. There's a kind of need for people to watch the same thing so they can talk about it online. 
Yeah. And with Netflix, it's pretty much, I mean, they just do the streaming thing. Most people just do the streaming. I guess you can still rent and have the movies mailed to you, the ones that aren't on Netflix. But few people do that. And mm. I can tell, like on Tumblr, you could just tell the trend of when something different gets added to Netflix. Like, mm. I've always loved American Psycho, and the movie yeah, was well, thrilling. Yeah, and then it came on Netflix, and suddenly on Tumblr you see all the American Psycho gifs and animated things come up, and it's yeah. like finally they put something on there that, I mean, if they just put alternate culture on yeah. these services, people would go bonkers over it because you know we found it, we loved it, but nobody yeah, else knows about it. <laughs> this can be a problem when the the test of quality is the amount of downloads or the amount of views. Yes. Because that is not the test of quality, because what tends to happen... Uh, uh, an example of this might be something like uh, Donnie Darko. Mm -hmm. It comes out of the cinema, very low-key, uh, art, art house kind of cinema. Right. Gets seen by a few people. Now, those few people go crazy about it. Right. And a few years later, it comes out and it comes out, everybody's got everybody's watching it. Right. Because the people that care about those things shouted about it. And they got people into it rather than, say, the, the studio is paying for a massive promotional campaign. I'm sure if, if, the, if the studio got behind Donnie Darko and put a billboard on every street corner, everybody would have gone and seen it, but it would have been in the bargain bin the following Christmas. Exactly. The other way around is much better because it grows in popularity and you know you can trust the people, at least, who are talking about it because they're the people that are really into cinema. Right. And it's the same with music now. It's the same with, like, I can relate this to, like, music. When people get into something, if, somebody, if people who are really searching for things share it, you can trust those people. You know, you can trust right. the opinion of those people. Now, if a massive record label is promoting something, you might, you're probably going to hear about it. Right. It's going to be popular. But there's a big difference between popular and prevalent. Right. I mean, everybody's heard of, I don't know, AIDS. Not everybody wants it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> Sorry, that was <laughs> exactly those terms too. That was quite a harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but it is. It's harsh. It's it's harsh that these corporations have bought the popularity. They I, have, yeah. I just buy the I just did a, an FC Presents with uh, Brett Gleason, who is a musician underground. He did a, a Kickstarter campaign, raised about ten thousand dollars, and oh, yeah. you know he made his record and he did it all himself and you know bought the studio time and he said but that's it there's no budget there for marketing and yeah i've heard about these kickstarter things and indiegogo and all that right. i'm kind of thought about because i know people that have put on gigs using that but my thing is why don't you just buy the cd you know why don't you just buy the t-shirt why don't right. you don't have to invest in that way you know i think i think this indiegogo and Kickstarter thing is a bit of a crest of a wave that is about to break. I think so because of its popularity. I mean, now everyone thinks that they can just do it and get money. Mm. I think if you're putting a gig on and everybody is really, like, say, um, you want to put a band on, and the only way you can put that band on is by getting a load of people who are a massive fan of that band to pay the money, mm. then that's fine. But if you're an individual artist and you're going to go online and ask people for money, I think that's a bit dangerous because that, that gives them a kind of ownership of you, right. an expectation of you that I don't think I'd be happy with. It is, as, as for me as well, 
and, and looking at just Brett's. <laughs> What's that? I said maybe that's paranoia. No, well, I, I just I feel the same way, and I think that it takes a very special certain type of artist to do that and to make it work. Um, mm. Like like the Brett Gleasons of the world. I mean, he did yeah. it, and and then he put out this. I mean, he worked with people, and his CD is is basically minimalist as far as the packaging, and it mm. you know it was his idea. He owned it and did it, and that's yeah. interesting. I didn't really cover that with him at all, but you know brave right. enough to get all this money from people but still going to do exactly what you wanted to do with it whether you know well, it offends them or not i think i think if you're going to back an artist you've got to realize that you're you're not backing a product you're backing a vision right you've got to let that artist do that thing because if you think you have any kind of say in how that thing is going to turn out right. then you're going to pollute it in exactly. the way in, in the way a mainstream record label could do so you know Exactly. And it's just like when I gave to the, the Divine movie, you know, then I asked them to be on the show and they didn't want to. Right. And most people would have been like, what? I gave you money and you're not, you know, doing what I said you should do. But, you know, I, I instantly got over that thinking, well, you know, they, they have the right to do what they want to do. I still want to give them money for their movie. I still believe in what they do, mm. even if they don't want to be on my show. I don't right. know why well, they wouldn't want to be. <laughs> that's one of those things. I haven't seen that movie. Is, did, is, it, is it out now? It is out now on DVD. I think it's, uh, well, it, yeah, I, I got my copy about two, three weeks ago right. um, through Wolf Video. And I think I posted the link on Facebook. But yeah, it's, they did a very good job. Uh, they raised a lot, a lot of money, I think. I don't even know how much they raised. But well, as long as, the, as long as the end product is good, that's fine. It was. And that was the whole point, is we wanted that you know, time capsule nice. of divine. It would have been nice if they had come on, you know. It talk, would have. But, it know. would have. I, I can't understand, you know. I would. Anyway. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, the producer was very busy, and it was like his team was extremely busy as well. And then at the end of the campaign, they said, yes, one of our people would be on. But then that then they like disbanded because the movie was out. They're done. They're they're pretty much over. So everyone's going on to their own thing now. So I lost touch with everyone. Well, the reason I was researching Indiegogo and Kickstarter and the like is because I wanted to get Jane County to come to England. Right. And uh, the only way, I mean, I don't have cause you know for money for flights and to right. look after her while she's here. Right. And I can't say too much about it because it's still something I really want to okay. do. You know, Jane County uh, not, has not played the UK. It must be about ten years now. Really? Is she in in Atlanta? Or I'm not sure where she's living. She's between New York and okay. Atlanta because she does a lot of gigs in New York. Okay. But usually, when I've seen her come up for a gig, it's been in New York or uh, that part of the country. You know, so. To get her to come to the UK, because she has a big fan base here. Right. And you know she did this thing recently with Sharon Needles. Yes. And a lot of the venues that put Sharon Needles on, on the back of RuPaul's um, Drag Race, mm -hmm. also know about Jane. Right. But it's a completely different story with Jane, because oh, uh, yeah. all, 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 all that Sharon Needles has to do is turn up, but right. Jane has a band. Right. And she has musicians, and she she's alive. She's actually a proper singer do you know what i'm saying right so yeah. it's a bit more it's a bit more logistically complicated yeah you turned me on to jane county with the original needle factory album because she did the artwork yeah and and you're like best buds and and she's she's a very interesting individual well she is 
I, I mean, do you follow her Facebook? I do. <laughs> well, she's a bit of a rant. You know, recently she got... You know what I was saying about Jonah, how he got uh, put on the naughty step? Yes. 30 days. Well, that happened to Jane because um, she made a post that said something like, I'm having a party at mine, invite all your fag, tranny, right. dyke friend. And, and somebody reported that as oh hate speech. Oh, my God. Did you see that? I did see that, yes. And, uh, and she was, well, that's like red rag to a bull with Jane. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I, put, I had asked to Jane to be on, and, and she had agreed at the time, but we've, we have not discussed it since. And oh, well, this is something, you know, I'm going to have to remind her of. I think so, because I just, I think that would be a wild show. Hmm. Well, even though the kind of music that I do is nothing like that. No. I just think that is the root of what I got. I mean, because punk rock was what I got into. And it was all about DIY. You know, whatever right. you want to do, just do it yourself. Right. And that's what, that's what started me, really. Absolutely. I can't imagine the world without that happening, you know. Because yeah. I went to... I heard about Jane because she was on the radio in, in England. Mm -hmm. And she was on, like, a talk radio kind of show. Right. And she was talking about all these influences she had and they were the same influences i was listening to i'm quite lucky i've got an older sister that was into all that kind of punk the first time that is lucky and uh, she sort of taught me about the you know she used to dress me up and all this kind of stuff but when i when i heard jane's voice on the radio it was like oh, i've got to go and see see her play and she was playing in blackpool so I, I got the money together to go and see it was like a big festival thing and they had like all these old punk bands on like the buzzcocks and the damned and she was one of the bands playing, so I was went, you know, and I was so nervous, you know, because I wanted to go and speak to her, <laughs> and I must have seemed like such a weirdo, you know, just shaking around like trying to speak to her. But okay. she was really sweet and everything, you know. Oh. It's like, like a big deal for me at the time, you know. Sure. Yeah. So you'll be? Are you touring at all with this uh, album? Yeah, well, I've got a few gigs lined up. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing a night in Manchester called Tokyo Chip, which is like a sort of manga chip tune kind of okay. you know they're kind of like um eight bit kind of i do culture. yes and yes. actually i don't have the date for that i'm just i'm just gonna have a quick look <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, yeah and, and it's the festival that i'm doing in september but i'm really badly organized because i don't have this stuff written down no that's so. well we just need to follow you everywhere and listen well and... if you you know i'm on facebook as needle factory and and Tumblr and all that kind of stuff. If you just go to www.needlefactory.net, everything is there anyway. Exactly. And I love that now, I, when I Google Needle Factory, you come up almost top. And <laughs> when, when it was the first time we talked, I did Needle Factory, you know, it's like, you know, literal needle factories or uh, hospitalization. <laughs> but yeah. now you've risen. You're up there. Uh, I've just figured out how Google meta tags work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've come a long way. Yes, you're not popular. You have meta tags. Yeah. I've manipulated the internet for my own end. Yes. Can we still get a physical copy of the CD, or is it now digital? Um, there's no physical copy. I have a few, but they're just for gigs now, okay. and uh, it's just digital now. Um, there was only a hundred physical copies. I know. I always get on the bandwagon way too late with this stuff because you have like the best best swag ever. But we, uh, I'm thinking of if if the money's okay for it, I'm going to release a seven inch single. Fabulous. 
But it's it, that's just the way things are now. People tend yeah. less to buy CDs yes. and more into vinyl, which is like crazy. Well, it's, we've we've come right back around. Yeah, but I think I think it's to do with that thing I spoke about last time. You know, when people want an object, something to they hold, do. that is a kind of connection to a person or whatever. Yes. Well, I I still have the the first Needle Factory CD hanging on the wall with the rest of my <laughs> albums. Well, I'll, send and you, I'll send you the new one. Oh, that um, would be lovely. Mm. Fabulous. So it's called Rabbit Holes, which we've been going down quite a bit on this show. <laughs> oh, God, we always go off on these crazy things. And I love it. And that's why I had no plan whatsoever. I knew we could just talk because yeah. I just adore you. Oh, thank you. Well, I've been following your show, um, you know, on the internet, and uh, you've had some very interesting guests. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I <laughs> have. They are. You always go off on tangents, though. I do. You, well, that's you, what it's about. Philosopher. I don't yeah. even, you know, I, I want to talk about what you've done, but I want to know more about you, you know. You're that's a philosopher funny. presenter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I, I thank you for coming on. I, we, we must do this more often. Yeah, well, maybe in the future we'll do this again. But I'll tell you what, if I get Jane County to come to the UK, we have to do an interview together. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, everyone needs to go and Google Needle Factory and, and go to your website and add you on Facebook and get the album. Uh, where can they get it as far as digitally? iTunes? Um, it's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. But don't go to Amazon. Don't do it. No, don't do Just that. Go, you're better off going directly to D-Trash Records on Bandcamp. Perfect. So if you just Google D-Trash, that's the record label, and then Bandcamp, then it'll come up. Is that just the letter D and trash? Yeah, D-Trash. It sounds like something I'd like, D-Trash. Yeah, well, you, a lot of <laughs> stuff on D-Trash is really nasty and horrible, so you'd really oh, like that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mr. Freddie Morgendorfer, well, we thank you for coming on. Okay, thank you very much for having me. And you have a lovely evening. Okay, I'm going to sip some more wine now and talk to the cat. You do that. Say hi for me to the cat. <laughs> Love you. Oh, okay, bye. Bye. And that was Freddie Morgendorfer of Needle Factory. Go online and find them, needlefactory.net. And this is The Fabulous D Show on 4Culture Radio. Go to 4Culture.com to find more independent, underground, cultural fabulousness from freaks like us. And visit me at thefabulousdshow.com for more shows, more information, more, more. Until next time, I am the Artist D. Good night.